Hey, everybody. Welcome to the new podcast, Origins from Art of Dental Marketing. I am Sean Hamill, the managing partner at ADM. Have our uh, amazing guest today, Steve Anderson, whose uh, reputation precedes him, I'm sure, for many that, that follow. I mean, you kind of do it all. You speak, you're an author, you got Crown Council, you got Tops, you got Eagle U, which loving the shirt that you're wearing. Um, you can share a little bit about that. You got Smiles for Life. I mean, you've got so many different things that you do. You know, with Origins, there's so many podcasts that exist and there's so many things out there that it's all, you know, how to grow your practice, how to do this, how to do that. And I just thought with us being a story-based agency, it would be cool to get some of the people I look up to and people whose content I follow and just hear your story of how you got involved in dental, how you got to where you are today, see if there's any nuggets you want to share. So Steve, welcome. Thank you for being the inaugural guest and, uh, just, you know, tell us a little bit about just how you got into dental. I owe a lot to uh, originally the environment in which I was raised. Um, love my parents. Uh, I'm the last of seven kids um, <clears throat> raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. So, you know, the only people that have seven kids are either Catholic or Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> so being from Salt Lake City, no question about the origin there. But we had some, my parents had some non-negotiables. And what those are is, you know, things that are just not up for debate. It's like, this is how we do things. And that's just how you do it. No questions asked. One of them for the boys was we had to have a paper route. This was back when the news was delivered either on TV, radio, or the newspaper, there was actually newspapers and the and the distribution system was guys and gals on bicycles, you know, throwing papers at people's doors. And so uh, I I inherited my brother's, my older brother's newspaper route. So it got handed down uh, along with my older brother's 1960s purple Schwinn Stingray bicycle. That nice. was delivery vehicle. Nice. And uh, for the next few years, I got very valuable lessons in owning and running, you know, my own business, because that's basically what it was. I, I was responsible for on-time delivery, for collections, for, you know, delinquent accounts. It was, and at age 12, it was just the most amazing experience. I didn't realize at the time, but going back and looking at all the lessons I learned, but on top of that, the bonus that I didn't realize at the time. So my dad ran the largest ad agency in the Western United States. Wow. And he was great about sharing what was going on at work. He'd bring it home and share with us what he was doing. And so um, he would apply these business principles to what I was doing on the paper house. So he would share his experience and then relate it to what I was doing uh, and gave me some of my first real lessons in running a business and keeping patient or keeping customers satisfied. And um, so one of the things now later on, one of the most recent books, and you talked about the books, one of the most recent books that uh, I did was called The Bicycle Book. Mm -hmm. It's 12 lessons that he taught me uh, when I was doing that paper out, 12 business lessons that are as relevant to a Fortune 500 company as they are to a dental practice, as they were to a 12-year-old kid on a paper route. 
of how to run a successful business. And I will forever be grateful to him uh, for making his business world part of my world and sharing those experiences because they've served me very, very well <clears throat> my entire career. Over the years, I've tried to build on, uh, on the things that, that he shared with me. And I'll share you one origin story that has had a huge impact on me that I've tried to apply. So my dad lost his dad when, when my dad was nine. So I never knew my grandfather. He um, died when he was in his 30s from a, they're still not sure what happened. It was either a stroke or something that happened. And, and so left my grandmother to raise three young boys during the depression. And so a tragic deal and a lot of backstory there. But um, the day of the funeral, one of the stories that my dad shared with me numerous times, day of the funeral, um, he was having a moment uh, just alone before the funeral with his father. So the casket was there and he was just kind of standing there by himself and he tells the story of a man that came up and stood next to him. And he's to this, he, he never figured out who this man was, but a man stood next to him and turned to him and said, and remember, he's nine years old. He said, I hope you become a better man than your father. Wow. And then he paused. And then when he knew he had that nine-year-old boy's attention, he said to him, he said, your father was a great man. Mm -hmm. And your responsibility now is to take all of that greatness and build on it and do something even better. Wow. And that had a huge, huge impact on him. And he passed that story down to us. And, and his whole philosophy was, it is every generation's responsibility to build on the previous generation. And he instilled that in us, that he said, you know, regardless of what I do, your job is to do better than I did, um, which was a whew, huge gift. Yeah, for sure. Huge, huge for gift. For sure. Fast forward, um, I, uh, I am a fourth generation graduate of the University of Utah. My great-grandfather was one of the first students at, at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. I went there and and so I'm kind of a legacy, you know, legacy graduate. And you got a parking spot for sure. I did, yeah. I didn't know <laughs> it at the time. And um, so a lot of history there. Um, I, I kind of caught the entrepreneurial bug early. I think the paper route had something to do with that. And so while I was in the University of Utah, I started a chapter of the largest fraternity in the country, Sigma Phi Epsilon, and we started the chapter from scratch. And as a part of that, um, we had an alumnus on the national organization that was on the, the national board that was a, a serial entrepreneur from Texas that was sharing some of his business wisdom uh, with people. And so the national organization said, Hey, you guys are getting started. We want you to go down to Texas, uh, and, and spend a weekend with this guy, because we think he can help you give you some principles that'll help you build this chapter from scratch. And so, uh, flew down to Texas, down in the Texas Hill country outside of San Antonio, Texas, and spent a weekend with Walter Haley. I had a, 
really a transformative experience uh, with him, just learning from his experience and uh, and his entrepreneurial experience of starting and building um, so many organizations. And and so, you know, like a good motivator, a good mentor, at the end of those three days we were together, he gave me a challenge and he said, I'm going to challenge you to go get a mentor, find somebody who's done what you want to do and is willing to share with you how they did it. Uh, came back and, and started kind of asking around and mapping out who I wanted to talk to. And I had the first conversation with, with somebody who I thought was doing something that sounded interesting to me. I was about a year away from year, year and a half away from graduation and hadn't decided exactly what I was going to do in business. I knew I wanted to do something in business and had such an amazing experience with that one mentor. I thought, man, that was great. I learned so much. I'm going to do it again. And same thing on the second one and the third one. And I just kept going. So over the course of the next nine months or so, I interviewed over 60 different people that were doing things that just sounded fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And it really ended up being like a who's who of of business. I mean, these were very, very accomplished people that I just figured out a way to network and, you know, get an audience with them. And it was one of them was um, a man that I have the deepest admiration for his name, Steve Hazy, uh, immigrant from Hungary and built the large, he is the largest owner of commercial aircraft in the world. So he is the landlord for jet aircraft that he leases to United and American Airlines and Delta. Wow. he's the biggest landlord of, of aircraft in the country. <clears throat> and, and we sat together for an hour and I got a business education, Sean, the likes of which I don't think you can buy. Another one was Steve Covey, who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. For 45 minutes, he taught me more um, about the power of mission and vision and purpose than I had ever heard from any, and not only taught the lesson, but man shared with me his vision and, and what he was all about. And I walked away from that and, and I said, I gotta have me some more of that. I mean, it was just, and so I just kept doing it. What would you recommend or, or do you have tips for maybe the entrepreneur or maybe the dentist who's, you know, maybe they're, they're uncomfortable asking, but if they wanted to ask you or they wanted to ask somebody they really look up to in business, how would you like what are some tips maybe you could give them on how to ask somebody for mentorship? When Walter gave me that initial challenge, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody who had the experience of the wisdom that I thought I, I needed. And so like, where do you start? What do you do? And so I went and what I teach the students is to make a short list of, of the people who have a vested interest in their future success, a vested interest. Like they got skin in the game and they want you to be successful. And so my list was really short because I didn't, I mean, I was trying to figure this out as I went. Nobody sat down with me, told me how Walter told me do it, but didn't necessarily give me all the DNA of how to do it. And so I, I made a list who, who has the biggest, vested interest in my success. Well, my dad, clearly he wants me off the payroll, mm. <laughs> right? So I knew he had vested interest in my success. Um, I, I had some older brothers 
um, that just by virtue of relation, you know, I, I felt like, well, you know, they got a, I got three older brothers. They, they got to have a vested interest in my success. And then I had an uncle. And so I sat down with each one of them and told them what I wanted to do that, I, you know, that I wanted to, to sit with people who had built and successfully run, started and built and run their own business. I was interested in entrepreneurship. And I said, so who do you know that has done that, that you would point to and say, man, they, they did it and they've done it right. And then I was just really quiet. And, you know, they, they each rattled off some names. They said, well, you know, this guy's done it and that guy's done it and the whole deal. And, and then my next question was, I said, would you be willing to introduce me to them? Because you have the relationship with them. I don't. Would you be willing to introduce me to them and ask them if they would be willing to sit with me for 15 minutes is all. Just give me a short period of their time for me to ask them some questions about their experience. That's all I want. And so they did all the, they did all the work for me. I mean, they called them, they messaged them and said, you know, would you be, you know, would you be willing to just answer some questions about your experience? They set the whole thing up. All I had to do was show up. And, and those three, my dad, a brother and an uncle, those three then multiplied into 60 different conversations and I had people, Sean, that I met with that then introduced me to other people. Sure. Said, oh, I think you like my story. You had to talk to this guy. And mm-hmm. I guess the message in all that is start small. Everybody has people that have a vested interest in their success. And just, you know, if you're looking for somebody, start asking, you know, here's what, here's the resource I'm looking for. Who do you know that has that kind of background or experience that might be willing to talk to me? And so things kind of came full circle about nine months later and I was at the fraternity convention and Walter was there. And so I got an audience with him and just kind of gave him a report back on what I had done with his challenge and the 60 people I talked to and the whole deal. And so he said that he said, that's great. So what are you going to do? You know, graduations here and the whole deal. And I, I said to him, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to come to work with you. Nice. Short <laughs> and and sweet. He kind of looked at me and he goes, well, I'm not hiring. And I said, well, I'm not. And I said, well, I'm not looking for a job. And he goes, well, what does that mean? And I said, we're going to go into partnership together. <laughs> and he, I was naive and probably too bold. And he just kind of shook his head and he goes, well, I don't even know what that means. And, and he said, well, you know, so he kind of tried to brush it off, but I had decided what I was going to do. And so I packed up my car my Volkswagen Jetta in Salt Lake City and uh, with no promises of anything. And I, Sean, through this whole process of interviewing 60 different people, I got some amazing, amazing job offers. I wasn't interviewing for jobs, but I got some great job offers. And I made the decision that I was going to take this risk with no guarantees of anything, packed up, drove 1,200 miles down to the hill country of Texas and just showed up and you know, he was still like, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm going to work. And I said, you don't have to pay me anything, nothing except for what I earn. He was doing these kind of seminars where he was sharing his business. So I'm going to fill up the room and uh, you just pay me a piece of whatever I generate. And we're going to figure this out as we go. So he had nothing to lose. You know, he said, well, I'm, I'm not going to take responsibility for your career. And I said, I'm not asking you to take responsibility for my career. I said, I'm taking personal responsibility for myself. 
I said, all I, all I want is a small percentage of whatever I produce. That's all I ask. And so that was the basis upon which we started working together. It's funny to see that grit and determination, you know, and it's, it seems like every great entrepreneur that I talk to has that kind of, um, just kind of the roundabout way of getting into their first opportunity. And then just the tenacity of like, I'm like, no, is not going to work. Like you're physically going to have to separate me if you don't want me to be a part of what you're doing. So that's really, really cool to hear, you know, for the entrepreneur that's out there, that's struggling, that's, that's seeing this and understanding what this podcast is designed for, which is to show people everybody started somewhere. And if you're having difficulty, you're having trouble, you have a personal tragedy, you know, whatever it is, it's normal and you'll, you'll get through it. You'll get on the other side of it and that success can still be found, even if you're in a really low point. And so would you want to share any of those moments or if there's one that really sticks out in terms of, of an overcome moment, if you will, where you kind of thought, you know, maybe you won't make it through, but you did make it through. There's a lot that all of us can learn. And, uh, I'll, I'll preface this with this. I, I've come to the conclusion that life is a lot like poker. Uh, You can't always control the hand you're dealt, Mm -hmm. but you do get to choose and control how you play it. There came a moment, one of those decision points, turning point moments 20 years ago, uh, 20 years ago this month, to be exact. And um, I had been... uh, you know, we had built this amazing organization, great business partner. Walter and I had been great business partners for 15 years. And um, I got a, I was on vacation with my family up in Park City and I got a phone call <clears throat> right before the family reunion started. And it was from uh, from Walter's son. And and he and I had become great friends over the years, about the same age. And um and so he called me up and he goes, are you sitting down? So I knew this was not going to be good. So I sat down and, uh, and then he shared that, um, that Walter had tragically, tragically died that day and had chosen to take his own life. Wow. Um, and so, th- you know, his passing, of course, was unexpected. And the way that it happened was... Um, heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It was one of those moments where everything just came to a screeching halt. I can imagine. And I did not know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the legacy, the reputation, all of those things. It was, whew, I didn't know what to do. I had never experienced anything like this and did not know what to do. And so I did what he trained me to do. Copy genius. Mm -hmm. I had right down the hall, one of the most brilliant public relations minds in the country. My dad, who better to draw on from experience on how to handle a crisis situation. I had watched him, Sean, deal with so many PR crises in his client, you know, client companies that he dealt with just, you know, and map out the whole strategy and the whole deal. So I immediately went down the hall and I said, I got to have some help because I'm flying blind and I do not know what to do. 
and and um, and then I called uh, Neil Romano, and Neil Romano had become a, a close personal friend over the years. Brilliant, brilliant strategist. Neil Romano ran <clears throat> President Ronald Reagan's "Just Say No to Drugs" campaign. So one wow. of the most brilliant PR minds um, that there is. <clears throat> so I had my dad on my right and Neil Romano in my left ear. And we're talking through how to handle this crisis and what to do. And and um, the, I will forever be grateful to the two of them <clears throat> for mapping out the strategy and what to do and what not to do and and how to handle it. They were They were amazing. Um, but the two biggest takeaways for me um, were, one, the power of choice. We always have choice. And, and that even when it seems like, you know, when things are, you're backed up into a corner, if nothing else, we have a choice to decide how we're going to respond. Mm-hmm. And, and I haven't made the best decisions in that area, Sean, all the time. I've responded and reacted in situations that as I've looked back, I thought, man, I could have handled that better. Uh, and <clears throat> I'm forever grateful for that whole principle of we always have a choice. Even when it seems like you don't, you always have a choice in your attitude and how you choose to respond and what you choose to do. And that is one of the greatest human freedoms that we all have. Absolutely. And the moment that you think you don't have a choice, you have given up that freedom. By your own choice, you gave up that freedom. We always have choice. So that's number one. Uh, the other biggest one is just, again, and, and I think if there's a theme here, just the power and the value of surrounding oneself with great mentors. There's no way that any one of us can have the ex- all the experience that we need for every situation in our life. And there is someone and there are other people who do. Absolutely. And, and so I will always be grateful for that principle. I use it all the time. Uh, there are things I face every day that I have no clue about. And the first thing that comes to mind is, who can I find that has experience in this area that I can borrow that'll help me make a better decision and move forward in, in the right direction? Mentors, if, knowing how to just employ that simple principle, copying genius and surrounding yourself with, with great people is, uh, is one of the greatest gifts that, um, you know, that Walter gave me, he gave me that. I mean, it, 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 from his own experience. I mean, it's a natural law. It's a principle that out, that's out there, but he instilled that in me. And, um, and I will forever be grateful to him for that. Last question for you is just, you know, in terms of everything that you've learned over your career, good times, bad times, the success you've had, the legacy that you're now building with where Crown Council is, how Tops is uh, performing and, and just its brand in dentistry. And when I say brand, I just mean what people say about you when you're not around kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> but Tops, you know, is highly respected. What would you say to the next generation that's coming up in terms of just how to achieve their goals, how to 
carry through in the moments where it is tough, you know, how to build grit, how to build the the character that you need as an entrepreneur, because it is hard. And, and there's not always a, a program or a seminar or a book that's going to solve the issue for you. And, and again, I know entrepreneurs are lonely and I know it's tough. And especially in, in dentistry, you've got all the added weight of all the overhead you're carrying and all of those things. But what would you say really of everything that you've learned, very concise, aside from, you know, mentorship and things, what would you say is the main thing that you see maybe as, as kind of a, an overreaching problem across practices that a doctor could take action steps from this podcast forward? Sean, I think we all have, <clears throat> we, we get to make a decision every day. You know, there are positive things that happen. There are things that aren't real positive that happen to all of us. I mean, every day. And, you know, we've talked about some of those turning points, mm -hmm. <clears throat> challenges you didn't expect where you get an opportunity to play poker, mm -hmm. play the hand. We have a choice. We can either allow things to define us or refine us. And sometimes it's a tough choice. Absolutely. <clears throat> to, to take that fork in the road and say, yep. This is a refining experience, but I will not allow it to define me. I love that. Love it. Steve, I cannot thank you enough for being on. I can't thank you enough for sharing what you've shared. Uh, I'm sure most of the people watching know who you are, but for those that don't, how can they get a hold of you to learn more about tops and smile and uh, all the stuff that you're doing? It, there's too much to list. You can just go to the website, stephenjanderson.com, do the contact and just shoot, shoot us a message and just put culture of success um, in the subject line. And I'll send you a document that that is transformative in terms of what it'll do for your practice and defining, help you define for your practice a culture of success. One document that'll put you on a path that'll help you define what that really means for you. So you just go to stephenjanderson.com. Uh, do contact and just ask for the, we call it a culture guide and we'll shoot you a copy of that. Awesome. Awesome. Love, love the freebies, man. Steve, again, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Sean, thanks for, for, thanks for sharing your story, man. Have a, have a wonderful evening. I'll, actually, I'll see you in a few days. So you will. All, All right. right, buddy. Take care. Thanks so much.